Silver me bachisusim, fil bachasmem hoppen, bechisire imiashash, abefugi eshushimon atruimiash. Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me in Wisconsin is William Annis. Hello. And I almost couldn't uh, pronounce the name of his state. Uh, <laughs> and over in New Jersey, we have Mike Lentine. Hello. <laughs> who is having some internet troubles, but we think we can we can uh, pull through the episode. I'm my fingers crossed. So, um, how are you guys doing? <sighs> I'm doing well. Just got off from work. Um, home and gonna have a long weekend, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. It is nice. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to some cooler weather, maybe, because it was a bit warm today. Yeah, well, that <laughs> happens. Yeah. Well, I'm taking a break from. Yeah, I'm taking a break from staring at dictionaries, but otherwise, it's cooler here already. That makes me happy. Happy is good, and cooler is good. So the good all around. Much good. Yes. 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 Cooler is much good. On the last episode, your um, your thesaurus. Nope. Your baby. No. Uh, so William just recently produced a document called a Conlanger's thesaurus, which I understand is sort of still under revisions, but yeah. Uh, um. So a lot of the work that went into it was came out of reading I was doing on theories of grammar that are alternative uh, to generative grammar, which I think is insane. It makes no sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I happened to run across some interesting cross-linguistic semantic maps. I'm like, ooh, that's neat. And that would also be a useful conlanging tool. So I found as many of those as I could, but there aren't too many um, available freely. Um, so what I've been doing recently is writing some code to generate cross-linguistic semantic maps on my own. Cool. Um, and <laughs> as I come across new information and new hierarchies and new maps, I add them to the document. So I expect it will be changing a lot, at least for the next year or so. But hopefully other people will find it useful. Yes. This sounds awesome. It looks looks very nice. <clears throat> Well, I'm, that's I'm, the power of LaTeX, right? <laughs> can, I, can, I can make complete nonsense look very nice in LaTeX, but... Hooray! <laughs> but uh, I, I, I like that you're doing original uh, research. I may have you ask you to help me with my thesis when that comes around. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I end up having to do anything, any computational stuff. Mm. See, um, every, every conlanger should know how to program a little. But anyway, that's yes. a topic for another show. Mm. Computer okay. languages. <laughs> are they really languages? Uh, programming well. languages are, are their own thing. But yeah. we're not yeah. talking every, about anything like that. What? Yeah, I was going to say, every time anybody's like, but computer language is a language, and I'm, I'm, I cringe a little bit. It's, it, it's called one, but it, it I don't know. My comparison is to say... That a programming language is like a human language the same way a protein is like an elephant. Hmm. <laughs> yes, that, that's a very... I may, I may steal that. <laughs> they both involve organic chemistry, but that doesn't mean they're the same. <laughs> very. That's, that's very adequate and accurate. But anyway. anyway, yeah, um, there's some interesting 
conlangs that are inspired by programming languages, but we're not going to get into that because our topic <laughs> today is reduplication. And actually, William, you suggested this as a practicum topic. Yep. Why is that? Um, well, it's a practicum because it covers a whole bunch of different kinds of things that interrelate, right? Morphology, phonology, syntax, other kinds of grammar. Um, the main reason I wanted to put it on is I remember very well the first time I looked at the walls map showing how common reduplication is, which is to say it is everywhere except Western Europe. <laughs> It is insanely common and, and really, I think, highly underused in conlangs compared to how often it occurs in a natural language, uh, natural languages. So I thought it would be a good thing to discuss. Oh. So mm -hmm. that's why. Oh, uh, yeah. There's lots of reduplication going on. Yeah, I yeah. see the map. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yes. But not France. <laughs> everywhere but I, I France. I guess... I guess um, for walls, the definition is kind of specific because there is reduplication in English, but it's very limited. Very, very limited. And it's not really, um, I guess it's sort of productive, but it's only very few things going on. Uh, so right. let's get into what reduplication is. If, if by for some reason, you have never heard the term. Reduplication is where you basically repeat part of a uh, a the whole a whole morpheme or part of a morpheme or or it could be a whole word. Yep. Mm -hmm. For some particular, um, usually uh, to as a sort of a grammatical inflection. Uh, the the the. Uh, English use of it is very uh, specific Weird. in yeah. its. Um, yeah. I guess if we could link the the salad salad paper, it's you know <laughs> specifically that you are noting. Uh, I guess it's that it's the default. Right, you're selecting the prototype. Of, of something. Yes. Yeah, the the prototypical, or there there are a few others that. Oh. Um, right? Did you have tuna salad or salad salad? Is that like, do you like him or do you like him like him? Right? It can be used for things like that as well. See, I thought now... Yeah, is, that's mm -hmm. that's more of an intensive, I think. Now, is yeah. so, is an example like teeny tiny an example of reduplication with a vowel alternation or no? Um, I think it is. I mean, we can get... I mean, we, why don't we just jump in and go with various kinds of patterns? Because... Mm. Teeny tiny is a somewhat funky example, but does occur in other languages. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, to my mind, teeny tiny is a kind of idiophone, and we know that reduplication is popular there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, shall we jump just straight into various shapes? We'll start with the shapes, and then the next part we'll move on to ways it's used. Let's plunge in. Yeah, because right. because the the I was just showing talking using the English example as a, as a clue, but we'll get into more uses later. So. Different kinds of forms. So I think the most obvious one is where you reduplicate either a morpheme or a word, right? Yep. Uh, so um, most often it is either an entire word or the front end of a word where reduplication yeah. is happening. Uh -huh. You can mm -hmm. rarely have uh, 
reduplication in the last syllable of a word. Mm -hmm. And even more rarely, you can have reduplication in the middle of a word. And that's pretty darn rare. Yeah. Um, and, and if you really like fun phonological processes, reduplication is for you because once reduplication has happened, all sorts of phonological mischief and mayhem can happen. Hmm. So I'm going to give one example from Sanskrit and then we can go down through the type, you know, the sort of, um, inventory of kinds of reduplication. So mm-hmm. the present tense of to go in Sanskrit is gachami. It means I go. And the root is gum, G-A-M. And the perfect is jagama. So that, that doesn't mm-hmm. sound reduplicated because they're all different consonants. But what has happened is the original reduplication vowel was A, that's a mm-hmm. front vowel, which palatalizes all velars into affricates. Mm. So you had, instead of, you had gum, and then the root with reduplication was gegum, but then it would palatalize, so it became jegum, but then short E and O merged into the a uh sound, and so you got jagama. Mm. <laughs> so you only have palatalization as evidence of what used to be a front vowel. Hmm. And this is a regular rule in Sanskrit. So you can have all sorts of fun with your reduplication beyond the very simple transparent patterns we're about to mostly go through. It's like a parfait. Mm. It is. <laughs> layers. It has layers. <laughs> all right. So as we've mentioned a few times, the simplest kind of reduplication is simply to repeat the word. Um, Indonesian and Malay use this to mark plural nouns. So buku is book and buku buku is books. Mm. That's awesome. Yep. Very simple. Um, sometimes you might have some other kind of morphology intrude itself into this process. So I found one language of Papua New Guinea called EO, I-Y-O, where when you make a certain kind of uh, plural, you do repeat it, but you also add a morpheme to both copies. So, um, Yende means village. Mm -hmm. Yendene, Yendene means various villages, right? So you have the suffix ne on things. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Right. All right. So simple word reduplication is possible. Um, the next thing you could do is simply repeat the entire first syllable. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's easy. So I'm going to have a fake word. I'm just going to pronounce Sunday. And the reduplication version of that would be San Sunday. Now, once you've got the pattern San Sunday, you can do all sorts of things. You can shift an accent around. If it's a tonal language, you might shift tones. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might reduce the vowel of the reduplicated syllable either in the copy or the original. Mm-hmm. So from sande, you might get sansande or even sansande, um, which, you know, does various reductions to the doubled syllable. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might do sande to, um, sansande or even sansande, mm-hmm. where the original syllable gets reduced in various ways. Mm. That makes me that makes me think that example is odd to me because I think of schwa as being reduced. I, I read that as sansunday, but Right, you want you don't want to accent that, but as some languages are okay letting you accent schwa. Accent it's okay. schwa. But um that's cool. I like the idea of using phonological processes to make reduplication less transparent. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Probably one reason that if, if conlangers don't do 
reduplication that often. I think one reason may be that to English speakers it sounds silly. Oh yeah. sure. And mm-hmm. and uh so by adding phonological processes, if you're the kind of person that feels that it's it sounds a little silly, you can um sort of undo a little bit of the silliness by making it less transparent. Right. Right. Yeah. Um <clears throat> What, uh, right. Okay. So that's fine. So that's full syllable, um, reduplication. Um, another pattern is you can echo the onset plus nucleus, but leave out the coda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you would go from sande to sasande. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with the normal pattern, you might get vowel reductions in one place or another. Um, now you I'm go, ahead. Um, go ahead. You mentioned vowel reductions, but. Um, and this might be covered down a little bit, but what if it's, uh, the vowel, like, gets raised? Like, could you have sasinde? Uh, the sky's the limit. All sorts of fun things can happen once you've decided what's going on. I mean, you might have, um, a phonotactic rule mm-hmm. that, you know, doesn't allow you to have the sequence, um, on in an unaccented syllable. Mm-hmm. So you could have sande go to sasande, but then mm-hmm. we decided that that's illegal, so it becomes sasonde. Mm-hmm. You know, there's also, I mean, raising, lowering, all yeah, sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, on. yeah, all sorts of things. You could even have like um, in the the sande san san sande example, you could have a uh, final n get lost and leave nasalization so that you have sasande. You know, right? And in Proto Indo European. Hmm. They had, they permitted, um, nasals and resonance to be, uh, syllable nuclei. So okay. you had, mm-hmm. you had syllabic N, M, R, and L, but by the time you got to Greek, Greek said, uh, uh-uh, uh, no. Hmm. And <laughs> N, syllabic N and syllabic M became the vowel ah. <laughs> that's, that's. <laughs> wow. Which means that you have some nasal stem Reduplication patterns in Greek where the N disappears altogether and you suddenly have an ah. Wow. <laughs> Once you've been told that happens, then you can see the pattern, but it's very puzzling the first time you start learning Greek and they can wow. tell you what's going on. That's ancient and That's, modern Greek? Uh, modern Greek no longer mm. uses the forms that we're using reduplication. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a few little detrius laying around, but mostly it's gone. And another thing you could do is if you do not permit voiceless consonants between vowels. Mm-hmm. You can have voicing, um, lenition, all sorts of fun things you can do. So it's just a goodie bag of what you can do in there. That's what I said. If you like phonological processes, reduplications, you're should be yeah, just, you should um, love it. I actually if yeah. <laughs> you want to do if you want to do reduplication with phonological processes, go back and listen to our phonological processes episode. Probably all of those different things that we mentioned and more could be applied to Absolutely. make your reduplication more interesting. Yep, yep. All right. So another pattern of reduplication, which is very simple, is to simply repeat the initial consonant, but you always use the same vowel. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's how ancient Greek uh, created the um, perfects is the initial consonant plus uh, epsilon. So the verb to stop, bawa, became pepauka, and to steal, which was klepta, become keklopa, which went through some other weird changes. But that's a very simple thing. You just use the same vowel 
um, and copy the initial consonant. Huh. But what's neat, mm-hmm. though, is that Greek did that for the perfect. It had a, a small number of verbs whose present stems also had reduplication, but they used a different vowel. Huh. Um, see, all this stuff seems to indicate that your your consonant is preserved. I'm starting to think that something I did in Yeltach is very unnatural. What I, I had in Yeltach was the last vowel in the stem of a verb gets repeated with an intervening T to form the past tense. That's not natural, is it? Uh, no, that, no, 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 no. I would say, I would not interpret that as reduplication. I would interpret that as you had a final consonant T added, and then you got an echo vowel, mm. oh, which okay. came from the so previous that's... syllable. And and that does happen in, in mm-hmm. natural. Okay, yeah. so that's that's a different process that I was doing. That wasn't really yes. reduplication. Yes. Yes. Now, okay. here's, a, here's a question about this, and maybe this is what you just mentioned about the initial C. Could that break up consonant clusters? Right, so that's a nightmare. What <laughs> do you do with consonant clusters? With Greek, you have to memorize several patterns. Oh, it depends i mean your language may not allow very complex onset clusters anyway Mm -hmm. greek Mm -hmm. is a disaster because it's a nice indo-european language and you can have pretty darn complex um onsets Mm -hmm. um it depends like the example i gave for steel klepto Mm -hmm. um, became keklopa so they're obviously stop plus resonant you just reduplicate the stop Mm. greek never reduplicates a cluster yeah. But what it does do mm. with that cluster is different from depending on your cluster kite. Like once an S gets involved, all sorts of all bets are off. Yeah. I have, <laughs> I use reduplication in the, in one of my conlangs and, uh, I break up that cluster. And if it's pre-nasalized, stop and just the nasal goes up to the front. So. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> fun times. One, mm-hmm. yep. one thing that's, uh, as you mentioned is Vietnamese does a lot of kind of um, expressive reduplications that modify the meanings of adjectives in various ways. Uh-huh. Um, and one of their common patterns is to repeat the initial consonant, uh-huh. but they have a wide variety of replacement codas and codas and uh, nuclei. Oh. Um, I think, did I include a list... No, no I included. The, I have a paper that has Mon and Khmer, which has a lot of the same sort of stuff. Okay. Um, so I mentioned that. Um, another thing about this single consonant plus stuff reduplication is it can involve more than one syllable. Hmm. Yeah. Turkish, in particular, has a bunch of these expressive adjectives, um, intensives for the most part, which can have two syllables mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, produced as a result of this. Um, and another complexity is if your root starts with a vowel, well, then how do you reduplicate? Uh, Well, you can lengthen the vowel, which is what ancient Greek and Sanskrit do sometimes. Um, you can do some kind of funky ablaut, right? You can just make a chart of changes with some irregularities. If you like a nice naturalistic and confusing language, um, you could do reduplication of vowel consonant, vowel consonant. Interesting. Like if, if you had the fake word apo, you could do apapo. Um, okay. I was going to say in ancient Greek, most of the time the vowels lengthen, but a small number do this kind of, um, r- repeat the syllable, but with the vowel huh. changing the, the boundaries of the, the duplication. Or you can make a glottal stop at the beginning of your word, a separate morphine, and you can have a little stutter there at the beginning of the word. Like, uh, uh, po. Right. Huh. Um, okay. 
Could, if they did that, could they? I mean, I get, and I guess it's almost silly to ask, could you do it? Because it seems like you could do almost anything. But if you had Apo, could you possibly have Agapo and have that G be glottal stop chain? Uh, I don't know if that'd be epithetic or not. Uh, sure, you could have the you could have some sort of random stop syllable inserted in there. Sure, some stop so, consonants um, to separate. I mean, there's many possibilities of what yeah. natural languages do. So. Do most languages actually put sort of a, a glottal stop before a um, a vowel initial word? Um, that depends. If your language has a glottal stop at all in the middle of a word mm-hmm. or at the end of a word, then I would expect it to be um, paid attention to at the beginning of a word. Okay. But I mean, even just um, empathetically, it, it came to my attention fairly recently that English actually inserts a glottal stop at the beginning of a vowel initial word. but After a pause, it does, it. yes. Yeah, we don't notice yeah. it, and it only happens at the beginning of an utterance or yeah. after a um, pause. I know that, you know, Spanish, if two vowels come close together across a word boundary, they actually blend together. Yeah. Um, I, I think that mostly happens in English across an intonation unit. But at the beginning of an utterance, after you've stopped to take a breath or stopped to think or start a new sentence, then we're much more likely to have the glottal stop obviously there. Mm, that, well, I guess it's um, it has to be there. <laughs> yeah, it could be um, dialect well, too. It could be dialect. It doesn't have to be. There are languages that mm-hmm. distinguish words that begin with vowels and words that begin with glottal stops followed by vowels. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, it's not like this is a requirement. I just noticed, uh, like, um, whenever I see Arabic words transcribed, almost anything that, that has a vowel n- near the beginning, doesn't have another consonant, has a glottal stop before the vowel. Yes. I don't know if that happens all the time. In Arabic, no word may begin with anything except a consonant. Okay, really? So they just put a glottal stop in there. Okay. Yes. Even like that's odd. I thought like I thought the uh, definite article was all, but it, I guess it's maybe there's an uh, right. There's a special uh, rule for elision for that, and for mm-hmm. one or two other words. But for the most part, if the word yeah, no, your glottal stop stays put. Yeah, and maybe the aleph might have a glottal stop. Uh, no, I think there's different different letter for the uh, glottal stop, isn't there? For, yeah, yeah, the hamza. Yeah, but anyway, that's interesting. Um, okay, let's let's get back. That was an interesting the- little. Excursion. A little digression on the glottal stop. Hmm. Um, and just in terms of simple schematic system, these are really all the kinds of reduplication that can happen. But even you could tell in the discussion we've had so far, the implications of these simple rules can be pretty wide ranging. Mm-hmm. Um, and every pattern we've talked about so far can also play out in final syllables or internal syllable reduplication. Although I have to be honest, I've never heard of internal syllable reduplication that involves multiple syllables. Huh. Um, um, uh, although, yeah. you know, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just can't think of an example where I've seen that. I would almost think of internal syllable of reduplication as maybe historically deriving from uh, there was reduplication and then a prefix got added to it. Sure. Well, I'm looking at uh, the Wikipedia I added to the bottom of the show notes shows um, that Samoan has an internal reduplication, um, like Savali is he or she walks, and then Savavali is they walk. But I don't see right. any other, like you said, they don't really have anything layered on top of that, it seems. Right. Yeah, um, like I think of, I think maybe in your fake example, 
Sun Sunday was the plural, and then there there developed an ergative marker ne, and and you get ne Sun Sunday. But uh, sure, that that I mean that makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, that, what else was I going to say? A small number of languages have triplication. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Which. I've only ever heard being used for expressive purposes, not for grammatical purposes, right? At least like very, very foolish rather than simply foolish or something like that. Well, I mean, we can, we can, uh, in English even, uh, go up to like five, but that's not grammatical or anything. It's sort of. It's just of, people saying the same word over again. Yeah. yeah mm. it's, it's just sort of repeating for emphasis. I know you hate the word emphasis, but I don't know another way to. <laughs> His hair's gonna explode. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. Are we done okay. talking about the shapes of reduplication? Let's, let's, well, there's, let's talk um, about the fun functions. Well, Wait, let's, I had one more. Yeah, just one. I'm looking at the Wikipedia, and it's a really interesting Wikipedia. I don't know if you guys have looked at it or not, but it mentions the direction of copying. And I guess you don't always have to go from the center towards the outside. You can move. Um, let it's less common. But they give the example like uh, if gosh is for or gosh is for I, then Ilgaj might be I, and they took the last consonant and shifted it to the front uh, for t- in Tilamuk, or Chukchi has uh, the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are very, very rare, but yes, you're right. There are some um, some processes, and I don't, maybe it's reduplication? I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense that something is being repeated, mm-hmm. but it's been like repeated by being picked up and moved to another part of the word. Mm-hmm. Right, reduplication sort of happens in place. The things are next to each other. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, yeah, but as you, as as the article says, as you said, it's that's very rare. Yeah. Oh, like um, before we get out of forms, actually, I want to uh, mention one thing. Um, an odd thing in Chinese. Chinese actually doesn't have that much reduplication. Mm. Uh, and yes, people can drink, but. One mm-hmm. curious thing that I forgot about until I saw it in the Wikipedia is, um, in certain dimorphemic words, mm-hmm. um, Chinese will reduplicate both morphemes. So Chinese is full of these two character compounds. It'll reduplicate both morphemes. So, uh, not in the way you expect. So, for example, the Wikipedia gives it xiaoliang. Meaning beautiful, it doesn't reduplicate as pia liang pia liang. It reduplicates as pia pia liang liang. Pia pia liang liang, huh? Mm, yes. Yes. That, that's cool. <laughs> so it just grows. <laughs> just grows from yeah. within. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Um, and then it shows compound verbs, though. Are, are, uh, it gives shioshi, and then it says shioshi, shioshi. So, yeah, yeah, verbs. The adjectives- verbs- it's it's adjectives do that, and it's specifically ad- adjectives that have two morphemes involved. Uh, it's for um, it's it's for the that sort of inner indirect um sort of she's sort of uh, way of um giving a compliment. Anyway, let's let's not go too <laughs> far into into um into Chinese, but yeah. Um, well, uh, I did want to mention says, there's one. Mm-hmm. There's one really funky thing in Cantonese uh-huh. for certain mm-hmm. kinds of adjectives where it's, it's the, the form is AAB. And what's funny about it is that typically what will happen is the first two words will be in Cantonese repeated 
And the second word is typically from um, a substrate Mon Khmer dialect. Hmm. Wow. So it'll be Chinese white, white, and then Mon Khmer white. (laughs) That's weird. I'll find the I'll find the article one or two articles that talk about that and get those into the show notes because it's fun, you know, for some world building if you want to mm-hmm. <laughs> introduce some sort of reduplication but borrow them from someone else. It's an interesting possibility yeah. there. But anyway, the, the I just of, wanted to mention that Chinese Chinese has a lot of reduplication, but it's mostly for semantic purposes. Um, and right. we're going to get into uses, and it's really when you get down into reduplication, it looks like. There's a lot of actual nitty-gritty grammatical uses. So why don't we go into that, Will? All right. Um, so I guess the first and obvious use for these, and I've already mentioned it briefly, is to mark plurals. Mm. Now, that's really mm-hmm. simple, right? You just say the noun twice. But you might get this on the verb stem. Okay. In which case it might mean plural subject. It might mean plural object. It might mean, Mm -hmm. it might follow an ergative pattern and mean multiple objects with transitive verbs and multiple subjects with intransitive verbs. Um, I've, I've seen all of these in some language or other. Um, you might have a a normal boring suffix kind of plural and you'll use the reduplicated plural to mark a distributive plural. Huh. Mm -hmm. Like people all over the place, person by person, that sort of sense. Um, and in languages with a lot of reduplication, if numbers get reduplicated, this distributed sense is very common, you know, like four by four or two by two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Um, if you reduplicate, re- excuse me, if huh. you reduplicate your verb, um, it might add a distributive sense to the meaning, right? It might mean something, do something here and there or do something back and forth. Hmm. Uh huh. Right. So you could, you know, I plant plant trees would mean that you plant trees here and there all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Johnny Appleseed. Right, right. Johnny Appleseed plant plant seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, I I uh, I come back I come back to Chinese again because they do mm. they they don't have reduplication for plurals, but there's one that seems like very similar where Ren becomes reduplicated to Ren Ren to mean basically I think the basic meaning is everyone. Yeah, right. they have that zhen zhen. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, exactly, yeah. exactly that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Now, uh, I'm sorry, William. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say um, that I'm surprised that I haven't really seen case um, in that little uh, bit we mentioned. And I don't know if maybe are you, is case in the list that maybe I should have. I have had. never seen reduplication used to mark case. That's interesting. I mean, it feels a little wrong to even try to think about using that. But I don't know if that's just because I haven't seen it before. Yeah, no, in some sense, reduplication is always, to some degree or other, iconic. Mm-hmm. And there are various yeah. things that that re- repetition can signify, mm-hmm. but I have a hard time seeing, I mean, that's just not what case marks, case markers do. Case markers are entirely yeah. about how does this word relate to the verb. Yeah. Pretty much everything that I see mm-hmm. you listed on your little thing <laughs> are things that sort of semantically makes sense for du- du- reduplication. Obviously, plurals makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Because, okay, you have two or more of something. How do you express that? You say it twice. Sure. Hmm. Um, and the, the sort of the, the distributive stuff. 
And going further, you also also mentioned tense and aspect, and particularly habitual and iterative senses. Right. Again, it's uh, iconic of the the act the the event structure that you're describing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I once you've decided reduplication is a grammatical process, I I mean. It seems a little weird to me, but I'm not going to say it's impossible for a human to be able to pick up reduplication as a grammatical marker or, or like a case marker. Now, is yeah. um, I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, it's 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 not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. It's just we've never we don't know of an example in natural languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, uh, Mike, you were saying. Well, I was going to say, we're going through the functions here, and in languages with reduplication, does reduplication usually only serve one purpose, or can it be, like, in English, the S on the end can be either plural or third person, uh, or um, a verb conjugation. Does reduplication have that kind of um, multiple applications in languages with it? In languages that have reduplication of any sort, they are very likely to have more than one kind in mm-hmm. two senses. It's more likely to be used like multiple different kinds of patterns of reduplication are available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like I talked about with ancient Greek, it really only has one productive form, but there's still t- two to five other marginal minor types that are still used for things. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next question is function. You might have reduplication used for multiple functions. Now in ancient Greek, reduplication is only ever used on verbs, but in a language like squamish, which is a Salishan language from my favorite place, the Pacific Northwest. Reduplication marks various kinds of number-related things on nouns and is used for various purposes on verbs. Mm-hmm. Um, aspect, number, the usual sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Vietnamese, where all words are subject to, potentially subject to reduplication, which can have different kinds of meanings. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it's pretty darn rare to have reduplication and have it be a tiny little kind of reduplication that happens in one instance and in one pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing reduplication can mark in verbs is reciprocals. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you've got reciprocal, reciprocals often grammaticalize to middles or reflexives. So once you've got that, then you can move on that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, uh, I, I just want to say, Reciprocal is, uh, oh, for, yeah. in, in case somebody doesn't know, a reciprocal generally is like, uh, he and she kissed each other. Right. It's where the, each other, that's, you do some action to, to each other. Some action. Yeah. yeah. Right. To, to each other. That's sort of, you're, you're doing it back and forth. And that makes sense. I guess right. you, you add that to the verb and it means that it goes in both directions. Yep. Um, Another thing that reduplication can mark, and this is kind of funny, is it has to do with intensity and scalarity. Hmm. And that's classically like an adjective. Like someone, we could say that someone's angry. Mm-hmm. And my favorite language is Vietnamese because it has one pattern that would be used to say that someone's very angry. Mm-hmm. And another pattern that's used to say someone's a little bit angry. <laughs> or, 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 you know, mm-hmm. somewhat angry. And both of them are different kinds of reduplication patterns. So, again, um, in different human languages, you might get either a diminutive redu- reducing sense or you might get an intensive increasing sense. Or your language might allow it to mean either. You just have to learn. Yeah, they show that on yeah. the on the Wikipedia. They have uh, Vietnamese and they say they're found abundantly. 
Yes, yes, they are. Hmm. Yeah. How interesting. I well, wish I could, um, I wish I knew how to pronounce it, so I'm not just looking at these symbols, going, "Oh, I wonder what that sounds like." <laughs> yeah, you you kind of um this a little bit and a lot, and you skipped over a little bit uh the the uh diminutives, but it's interesting. I know that Chinese almost uses the same patterns for both, but I think they apply to different word classes. Right. I'm trying to right. think exactly how that works, but um, there's all sorts of things that you can uh, you can do there. Um, that that's that that would be an interesting thing to have it have it be both low intensity and high intensity and need context to uh, distinguish them. Sure. I mean, mm. in the Vietnamese instance, there are different patterns of reduplication used. Mm-hmm. Right. It's 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 different patterns, so it's it's transparent. Well, I mean, it's transparent but, um, in the sense that you're not going to have one word that can both mean very angry and a little bit angry. It's not transparent in the sense that it's very hard, and linguists and especially optimality theory phonological types get very agitated trying to figure out what the hell Vietnamese reduplication patterns are. Hmm. <laughs> now, here's, yeah, here's I'm, a- I'm looking at um, I'm looking actually at the uh, the increasing intensity for Vietnamese. <laughs> There's something crazy going on. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know how to pronounce Vietnamese, but these forms look very different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're very different looking. Hmm. You'll, I mean, you'll have if to you're, go to the Wikipedia. Yeah. If you're doing um, um, a more or less analytic language and you decide you want to do reduplication, Vietnamese is your go-to source of inspiration for that, no, hands down. And it yeah, uses okay. it uses the Latin alphabet, but it's uh it's really kind of crazy looking anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, huh. Vietnamese uses Latin alphabet for a language that is that the Latin alphabet is not well adapted for. So you yes. get stacks of like up to three diacritics on a uh, vowel. Yeah, <laughs> they they did as the 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 they did as well as they could. Let's move on. <laughs> um, I have- we went over. <laughs> We've been over hatred of the Vietnamese orthography before. <laughs> Mike, you have a question? Uh, yes, of course. Um, but I was going to say, so we've talked about, in, when we're talking about forming, and even here we're talking about different kinds of reduplication, you can reduplicate, you can reduplicate the, uh, the onset, or you can reduplicate the onset and the nucleus. But could you ever just, if you just take the nucleus out and stick um, a, a Constant on the front. I don't think that's reduplication anymore. That's just like a prefix, right? Or um, whatever. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Once again, Vietnamese does this. <laughs> of course but, it does. But mostly, uh, my understanding of this process is mostly word games that kids play. Mm. Where they mm. mangle words by taking the onset of the syllable and the coda and then ripping them apart and putting, mixing and matching other parts on them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, which again has an aroma of the other stuff that goes on in reduplication. I honestly looked at it once and I got very confused, so I just put it down and went away and did something else. <sighs> I just keep finding in- the more I look at this, the more interesting things become. There are so many uses for this functions. Yes, yes. So <laughs> let me get two more functions out of the way that are on my list here, and we can move on to wonderment. Um, in Proto-Indo-European. They derived stative verbs with reduplication, and that is what became, um, in later Sanskrit and Greek, the perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
And then the last thing, and this is just a huge catch-all, you can use reduplication for lexical derivation of various kinds. Some of it's pretty iconic, you know, intense things, you know, the difference between break and smash, hmm. um, that sort of stuff. It's very um, but interesting I have... to me. Um, uh, I'm just going to say it's very interesting to me that PIE had reduplication, but it has disappeared in all of Western Europe. Yep. Right. Anyway. The old English only had retained a little wisps of reduplication in one dialect and certain poetic forms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the wiki, it mentions English and what uh, reduplication English has. Right. Um, I was going to say lexical derivation. Another thing I saw somewhere, I was probably in, in a language of Papua New Guinea, hmm. where reduplicating a verb made the agent noun. Huh. So like run to runner was, you know, run, run became runner. Hmm. That's interesting. Right. So that's, that's you can do things small. that that's a little less obviously iconic, but so there, there's plenty you can do there. But I guess that makes sense still because someone who runs and runs might be is a runner. So, I mean, you can. Oh, sure. As a characteristic. Yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I was looking at that. We were talking about the the fantastic plethora of functions that this wonderful, wonderful process has. And um, some of the interesting ones that mentioned on here on the Wikipedia, like conceptual similarity. So uh, I don't, I'm going to probably mangle this, but it's in uh, Malay and Indonesian. It says uh, they have reduplication. It's very productive. And they have for uh, conceptual similarity, like langit, langit is ceiling or palette versus langit, which is a sky. Or uh, they mention, here's one I don't quite understand, diversity or non-exhaustive plurality. So it says... Uh, it has the native speech there, and it says, all those birds are also exported out of the country. Burung burung itu juta diexport ke luar negeri. So I guess lots of different things I've never even thought about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, there, there's lots of patterns. Um, the Wikipedia article, I just took a quick glance over it. It seems pretty darn exhaustive. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I seem to recall looking at that in the last few years and finding it very thin. So someone obviously decided it needed attention. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything else. I included a few links, um, a few documents here that George Olinkin spoke on. We have a free online spoke on grammar, which is a Salishan language. And starting on page 111 are a huge number of things that it does to verbs, various reduplication patterns that happen to verbs, where you can check those out. Um, for an example of somewhat complex phonological processes combined with many kinds of reduplication. Mm. Um, I have a link to a paper on a Bantu language that does various kinds of reduplication. Um, I got an article on the Turkish intensive adjectives, which are pretty fun. And then the, the Mon Khmer link. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we need to say about the wondrous process that is reduplication? Uh, it's just a whole bunch of awesome. <laughs> George? Reduplication is a huge thing that you can add. There's a whole lot of different options for you to add into your conlang. And I think, you know, I've seen a few conlangs that have some reduplication in them, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's always great to see some more. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there are language, there are conlangs that have it, but it seems very few compared to how popular it actually is in natural languages. You mean like everywhere yeah, except for I France? I hope that we see um, some people. And in fact, I will I will challenge people to send us some interesting 
uh, examples in their own conlangs. Yeah, that'd be cool. Of yes. uh, reduplication and what they've done with it. Because, um, you know, there's a lot you can do with it. I think I may uh, start using reduplication a, li- a little bit more because mm-hmm. it's come to my attention that in some ways, like, particularly Ayurio is kind of boring uh, European-esque mm. in some ways. Mm. I've tried. We've all we've all that. made them. Yeah. We've all made them. Yes. I use reduplication uh, in mine. Right. <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, I use it for pluralization, obviously. You know, but then I'm gonna. I had no idea of the plethora of how how much more it could do for you. <laughs> so um, now here's a here's a well. I hate I keep asking questions, but um, would if you use reduplication for plural for plural, would an adjective agree with that and have reduplication on the adjective as well? I think that's up to you. That's entirely up to your adjective. Mm, I haven't really. If, heard you're, of that. if if your mm. adjectives are kind of more verb-like than noun-like, then I would absolutely expect them to be marked for number. Yeah, I have um, reduplication, but then there's some vowel change that goes on with a case marking. So it's a whole bunch of fun um, parfait layers going on there. Yeah. So, hooray! Are we ready for uh... Sandawe? Sandawe, George. Mm-hmm. George. Yes. Let's go. I'm here. <laughs> okay. Yes, let's go on to Sandawe. So, Sandawe is mm. a Khoisan language. Maybe. And if you don't know what that means, that is a, it's basically the language family where cliques are believed to have originated. Isn't it? And uh, so, I will, I will add to the note that the only reason Sandawe is classed that way is because it has cliques. It has been very, very hard to demonstrate its relationship to the other families, to the other languages. Really? So it yes. may not actually be Khoisan. It may just have... Yeah, the fact that it's cooks. spoken way up in Tanzania is also confusing to people. Do you, is it pronounced with a K, or is, it, is there a click in... Uh, I thought it was Khoisan, or is that different? No, uh, there's there's a language called Khoisa, which is actually a not Bantu Khoisan. language. Yeah, it's yeah, spoken in. I was confused by that earlier bef- as well. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's spoken in South Africa. Um, most click languages are in sort of South Africa thereabouts. Yeah. But apparently, like, Sandawe is up in Tanzania mm-hmm. and people are not sure why it's there. There are no natural click languages outside of Africa. Hmm. Well, there's so, the one weirdness of the ritual language and that one ritual language in Australia, but we'll just ignore that for now. But we, we kind anyway, of ruled that that was a conlang, but uh, yeah. uh, for the purposes of this show, there are no mm-hmm. natural languages outside of Africa that have clicks. And mainly that's just because there's not very many languages with clicks. I'm surprised. But, mm-hmm. uh, what? No, you can go ahead. I was just going to say I'm surprised with all the languages like in the Americas. Or you know, in like China or every okay in the world that they're uh, just there. I'm kind of I'm really that surprises me. Well, think about it this way: a click consonant, any of them, they're like the most difficult um, speech sound I have encountered. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, especially when you get into Sandawe. So, let's talk a little bit about the phonology of of Sandawe. Um, yes. Let's, let's, we'll get back to clicks in a second, but 
even just the basic consonant inventory excluding the clicks. Mm-hmm. You have a three-way plosive distri- uh, um, this distinction with mm-hmm. plain, voiceless, aspirated, and voiced, which that occurs other places, but you know, it's, it's, it makes for a, a larger inventory. Yeah. Then you get into craziness with, um, you have, so the plosives all line up to put, tuh, and k, and then it has glottal stop, which, of course, it has no distinctions. It's just plain. Uh, because you Tenuous. can't voice mm-hmm. it and, and aspirating it is awkward. <laughs> um, I'm but then you get into the affricates are in places of articulation that the plosives never go into. At least the plain affricates are. It's not that weird, but it's kind of odd. Uh, it's, it's actually not that weird. Africa's often are in sort of weird places. There are ejectives, so I don't know why, uh, t'a is in ejective and not ejective African, but it, it has t'a, t'a, and then t'a. So hmm. three ejectives that are massively, um, massively, uh... Asymmetrical with the rest of the Asymmetrical. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> and the other stuff, and and other than that, it's pretty normal. I mean, it's there's asymmetric toll, but it's natural. It's very it's very common asymmetries like, um, there's only M, M, and N. Well, lots of languages do that. And, um... I guess there's only one lateral approximate, but there's also uh, lateral fricative. Uh, now, getting into the clicks. Uh, the clicks. The clicks. There are three clicks. Right. It's the basic the pattern that we talked about yeah. before in the, the show dental, that we talked about. Yeah. Dental, post-alveolar, lateral. Uh, 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 and claw. Claw. That's right. And mm. it co- they come in five distinct <laughs> flavors. Hooray! <laughs> voiceless, unaspirated, voiceless, aspirated, voiced, nasalized, and glottalized. Woohoo! See, this William is just another example pronounce... of why I think clicks should be thought of as places of articulation, not consonants. <laughs> William, can you yeah. can you produce all of those distinctions in a click? No. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just. Trying to wrap my head around uh, voiced clicks. Voiced and aspirated are the ones I have the most trouble with. Like I said, uh, in some uh, of these languages, things they call voiced clicks to me sound an awful lot like a normal click followed by um, breathy voice. Um, I was thinking well, maybe it's. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I was reading a a, a video and I, I was watching a video rather and about. Another language that that William gave me that gives some examples of different things, and they have voice, and it sounded like the woman was trying to make you say ah da da. She she the woman describes it as like grunting into it, but I'm not sure. Um, the nasalized seems is pretty straightforward. It's, it's like, like pre-nasalized, pre-nasalized right? so, it is pre-nasalized. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Mm, ah, mm, ah. Yeah, nah, nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Yeah. But and glottalized is 
weird, but you can get it. It's a yeah. ah, ah, ah. It's almost like an adjective click ah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, aspirated, I have no freaking clue. Now, all right. how to, are, how to, um, do all these have, men- are all these, um, what's the word, uh, in this, uh, they're all, they're all phonemes, right? They're all yes, min- they minimally. All, yes, they are contrastive. Yes, thank you. They are all phonemic. <laughs> right. Um, and if you look later in the notes, it looks like some of them also occur in, um, labialized versions with lip rounding. Ooh. Yeah. Just, just so in case you were having this, fun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. With all of this, this actually gives this language a pretty large, um, uh, consonant inventory. I haven't gotten around to, to counting. That's okay. But, we don't need to um, count. There's a lot of them. That's normal for these languages. <laughs> but it's, yeah. but it's a lot. It's but not, you know, maybe not quite Ubik level, but it's, it's a lot. To and, all those people. Uh huh. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Must be, uh, yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, and finally, to round out the basic inventory, the vowels are a little more boring. They, it's a basic, uh, five vowel system, e, e, a, o, u, with long versions and also nasal, nasalized versions, which the nasalized versions are also long. Mm-hmm. But there's also um, tone. So just to yes. keep the vowel system from being too boring, we have high and low tone and then various, um, yes, the tone system is very interesting because it's kind of, um, there's multi, a lot of different tone patterns involved, mm-hmm. but it's still not quite like full on crazy contour tones. Right. You get contour tones, but they're the result of certain phonological processes. So when you say contour tones, that would rather be like than just Chinese. high and low, you have moves around what you think of from Chinese, like ah. shifting from pitches. Ah. But well, was, uh-huh. this is mostly high and low with, uh, like a couple go- tones like going from low to high and high to low. Um, there's <laughs> apparently, yeah, there's, there's different tone patterns, but they all basically derive from like high and low. Um, <clears throat> what I was going to say earlier was this is for all those people who think that African languages are primitive and primitive means easy. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, God, no. 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 So we've spent a lot of time on the phonology, and that does not even get you into the fun of the phonological processes. The syllable structures are not terribly complicated in Sundawe, but um, we have uh, one morpheme that's very, very important that is entirely made up of supersegmentals. It's tone, nasalization, (laughs) and length. (laughs) That is quite hilarious. Right. Um, so, does that apply to a particular syllable or something? Yes, it's tacked onto the, the it's tacked onto the end. Okay. It's like a normal okay. morpheme, right? You just you just suffix it, but then but it only appears because it changes things. Huh. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't uh, talk about it a lot, but there are various kinds of vowel contraction that happen that not only result in tone hanky panky, but vowel quality changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at some of these some of the. The samples here, and is there a devoicing of vowels in some places? Is that what the the underneath circles for? I forget what that underneath circle means. I think it's. I, I know sometimes if it's above like a nasal, it's for devoicing, but I'm not sure what it is. I'll have to check that. Uh, I shall under, check that. Uh, under a vowel, it can be devoicing too. Um, I sh- I should say this um this particular um 
document is mostly using IPA with, I think, a few modifications, uh, which, you know, as I was saying before the show, uh, is kind of, um, kind of disappoints me because I have an interest in how to romanize clicks because basically no letter in the Roman alphabet actually really fits what a click is. So I know that in other click languages, in fact, maybe we can find the Wikipedia for Sandawe and see what it does, but I know in other click languages, there's two different tracks. Either you use the IPA, which Mm -hmm. ends up with having, like, exclamation points in your words, or you use, like, C, Q, and X. X. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. This this language actually is one of the ones that uses C, Q, and X. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the yeah. the the dental is C. The the lateral is X, and the postalveolar is Q, which is the the normal sort of scheme for it, right? Mm-hmm. That's from what I've yeah I've seen that. It's certainly standard Will? in South Africa. It's it's standard in yeah. South Africa. Now it's interesting. It doesn't show for word medial clicks. There, it doesn't have the uh, same writing. So I don't know if that means that they're just uh, f- they're allophones or what. It, d- it just has the square bracket enclosed uh, IPA. Hmm. So I don't know what that necessarily means. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just focused on page 19. The word for elephant is I'm. It's a tough word. Anyway, it sounds like an elephant. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> if elephants couldn't speak, that's what I think they'd be thinking. They, they'd all be using click terms. Anyway, so yes, there are a number of complicated phonological processes in this language that have to do with um, vowels oh. merging in together, um, which leads to all sorts of tone chaos, uh, uh-huh. which also um, shows up in certain kinds of grammatical patterns. So that, for example, in possession you might get um, a raft of tone changes in the possessor. Now, um, what kind of language do you think this is? I'm trying to find that on the wiki, and I don't see it. Like, uh, What do you mean, what kind of language? In terms of agglutinative, isolating, uh, infle- in, uh, uh, brain. Well, infle- Inflecting. It obviously has inflections. Yeah, but I don't know if it's like, a, like agglutinative or if it's... I would probably um, just call it straightforward synthetic. It mm-hmm. it's, it has occasionally the aroma of um, um, agglutination, but so much chaos comes from the merging of morphemes that I would, you know, I would probably just call it synthetic. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was just curious as we were going on this excursion into Sandawe. I mean, it's kind of a mix. Well, um, it's it, it. I mean, the fact that it has an inflection that is purely. Um, Tone and vowel length and nasalization mm. mm-hmm. makes me think uh, synthetic. Mm. Okay, because I'm just, it's, mm-hmm. it's just like, um, but I mean, you can't use just one diagnostic. But I, it yeah. looks pretty much synthetic to me. Um, mm-hmm. It just usually says it right at the beginning, so I was just surprised that didn't really list that or mention it. I don't yeah, know how many field have... linguists care. <laughs> Right. Yeah, this is a production I mean, of the Summer Institute of Linguistics, and they just want people to learn how to speak this language. So they can translate Bibles into it. I don't think they much care for. Oh, it's agglutinating. I just I don't think it interests I, them. I think. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, it's kind of there's a limit to the usefulness of 
when you're documenting a natural language, mm-hmm. sitting down and saying, oh, what does, what typological categories does this fit into? Cause it's always a continuum anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, this, this language, you could say it's sort of semi-agglutinating, mostly synthetic, but you know, there's a lot of languages where, I mean, English is mostly analytic, except that it has a few, um, little suffixes that have grammatical purposes. So mm-hmm. you, you the I think when you're doing the field linguistics, you're not bothering yourself with uh too much of the the typology stuff because you're just trying to document what the language does and then you let uh the eggheads back home try to figure out what uh what categories it fits into. Right. Yeah. Um so grammatically to me the most fascinating thing about this language is the things it makes its pronouns do. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking over there. Um, and what I mean by this is, first, different pronoun sets, and specifically pronoun clitics, which, excitement, I'll get to in a moment, are used to encode things like, is this statement realis or irrealis? Is it a command? Um, and all of that presents itself in a different set of selections for your pronouns. The real fun thing, and this starts on page 135 to explain it, is there's this concept in the language of a subject focus marker. Wait, am I on the right page? No, I've gone too far. Hmm. Um, where'd it go? Is it, is it realis affirmative? Yeah, where'd it go? What page is it on? There One, we go. 133, 10.1.1. Yeah, I can't type. All right. Um, you have these various clitics, and to me, the most fascinating thing about them is that they get repeated constantly on almost any constituent in the sentence. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on page 134, example six, we have the English sentence, and so I put my poisonous arrow completely well on the bowstring. <laughs> the marker for first person, subject, realis, C, occurs on every single element of the sentence, except the verb at the very end. 134, item 6. So it's attached to the conjunction, and so, I. Completely, I. My poisonous arrow, I. Well, I. Bowstring, I. Put. (laughs) That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? So, and she talks a little bit. I mean, it's this... I'm giving an example that's a little bit excessive, but it's certainly not at all uncommon throughout the examples. And the first time I read this grammar, I was baffled by by these morphemes, but they may occur multiple times, Mm -hmm. reaffirming the same thing over and over and over again. Fortunately, they're all small. Yes. um, But they do show up an awful lot. Wow. Yeah. So that's amazing to have just like everything in a sentence. Or I I presume that the, the... this sentence is an ex- is uh, exceptional is that it just ha- happens to have all the only yes. the, the almost everything is marked. That. Yes, yes. Yeah, but the fact that you can have so many things be marked with the same inflection for a personal uh, agreement thing is pretty pretty badass. Hmm. Right, and these are enclitics. This is in addition to one overt mention of the full pronoun. In case you missed it all over the place. In case you missed it. And and that's the, the thing that's encoding the mood. Oh. <laughs> well, then. Right. So, so it's it's just 
wonderful and completely different from anything I've ever encountered before. Huh. So, wow. Looking through this. Right, and then we have a separate form for negatives. Yeah, you have um, realists, you have negative, you have uh, irrealists. Actually, you have realists, positive and negative, and then irrealists, positive and negative. Right. Which right. is cool. I like, I like, um, I kind of like negatives that are le- negative forms rather than negative particles just because it's fun to, to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a whole section on interactives with it broken down by word. Mm-hmm. Um, what page? And it, it, uh, starting around 140. 141. Yeah. Uh, is the, the first part of it. And then. And I've come to um, recognize this pattern as typical of grammars produced by the Summer Institute of Linguistics. I think they have a template. Oh. Oh, okay. That does not make it less interesting, but yeah. It's, it, I think it's, it's a useful breakdown. I just like that how example rich the grammar is. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, uh, you can get a whole bunch of stuff stacked out onto, um, the, uh, the interrogative, uh, pronouns. I, I guess that shows that you can get a whole bunch of stuff stacked onto any noun or pronoun, I guess. Now, Which example are you looking at, George? Uh, well, under who you have. Give me the example uh, number. Uh, 35 on page 142. Oh, that's right. They have a special et alia marker. I love that. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) What? So, um, uh, let, let people know what, what that particular would mean. I mean, et al for people who are familiar with, uh, some, some languages in addition to a normal plural, which just means plurality, right? More than one. Mm-hmm. There is, a, some languages have a plural that means X and everyone with X. So mm-hmm. you could do like, you know, Bob, funny marker, would mean Bob and everyone with Bob, which, you know, might mean his family or his friends or dudes he's hanging out with, depending on the context. There's a special yeah. section on walls for this. It's an interesting idea. Hmm. One thing I will say that they use a lot of uh, abbreviations that if you're jumping around, you miss what the abbreviation explanation is. So you kind of have to go back and find like fishing for the first instance of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, they when, give when you, when she you, gives a breakdown at the early in the yeah. document. When you yeah, said but, at Alia, I I um when and I saw it, I thought of papers with the the thing is uh you know Bob Jenkins a PhD at all. Right, because mm-hmm. you don't want to list everybody name. else who who wrote this paper. Um, right. I guess it's sort of in that vein. Um, embarrassingly, just go ahead. Uh, no, go. I was gonna say, em- embarrassingly, this language does not have very much reduplication at all. That's okay. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, there are a few verb stems that are prone to reduplicate when things happen to them. Yeah, I saw um, edit- something early on where it looked like a final. Uh, syllable was reduplicated. Oh, but that could be too. I'd have to go find that. Um, yeah, there's not much reduplication, but you know, this language is very, very interesting. Um, interesting. Yes, so George. How many? So, what's the SF? Let me go. Subject focus. That's the. Those are the subject, subject focus, focus things. Yeah, I just got. Back, I just got back from that page. <laughs> 
It was an excursion. I had to go find it. Uh, page 13 is where the... I'm sorry. Page 12 is where that okay. list Did starts. you talk about subject focus while I wasn't paying attention? That's the ones where the morpheme repeats multiple times, yes. Yeah, he mentioned it. That's what, oh, she, that's oh, what she calls okay, those. Okay, okay. That's, that's what it is. Okay. So, like, how many can get subject focus? That's yep. craziness. Yep. Um, there's a, a, an interesting section on subject focus and topic. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it's saying, but... Um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, from honestly... I mean, it has some conjunction, it has some phonological processes, it's kind of suffixing, it uses postpositions that are cliticized, um, simple, not crazy complex um, verb system, you know, you have your normal reciprocal, reflexive, derivative, derivative, causative, that sort of stuff. There's nothing about this language, for the most part, that is as wild mm-hmm. and crazy as you'd expect to be, right? We think click constants, the language must be insane. It's not necessarily the case. Um, but that subject focus marker is truly wild and wonderful. Where is the section uh, on it? It's quite late. Yeah. Oh, is it 12.3, focus and topic? I think I just found it. No. Ah, I hit the end button. Sorry. It's, uh, it has evidentials. Interestingly, yeah. the, uh, the hearsay evidential can be used to introduce direct speech. Sure. Um, uh, it's, uh, ka, I think. Or, or ka. I know, I'm not sure what the tone markings mean here. Um, and there, it's a particle, but there are other, um, there are other bound morpheme e- evidentials. Interesting that it, that there's a mix there. Um, oh, and they do have a polypersonal agreement, looks like. It's sort of. Object, well, they have object, object agreement morphemes, they mentioned, that can be suffixed to the verb. Right. So, kind of benefactive and all sorts of fun stuff. I mean, there's an interesting theoretical question. If it's a clitic, is it really the same kind of inflection? <sighs> right. We don't have to yeah. solve that, but... Rhetorical question. Rhetorical question. Um, like many languages of Africa, it has special verb forms for sequencing... Uh-huh. Um, so you'll have, if you have a complex series of actions, um, you'll have a bunch of these uh, verbs that are in very spare morphological forms. And then finally, the last one gets the, the full apparatus of agreement and tense and hmm. all of that. The full apparatus. Yeah. I'm sorry. Bizarre coincidence. The word for cow is humbu. Oh, like it's like a reduplicated almost? No. Or- what does humbu sound like? Especially after you add humbuge. I don't know. Sounds Somebody like... will get that. <laughs> All right. I don't want to explain the joke. Anyway. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, there's long text in this grammar. Yeah, there's a nice long text. In the um, with a story about an elephant. And a baboon. <laughs> the word for which I can't say. It's like two of... <sighs> They're both ejective or glottalized. <laughs> all right, so we do not need well, to torture no, our the, listeners the, the, with the all of us trying to... Yeah, it's hard to get the glottalization right twice in a row. Well, I'd say if if any of our listeners speaks Sandawe, I'd love to hear some native speaker. <laughs> yes, tell us the story about the elephant and the baboon. 
I'd love to get a um a top of the show greeting in this language or any click language really. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if we're gonna get it. Nice. Anyway, is there anything else we can that- say about yeah, provided that uh, the 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 language would actually have a click in, uh, well, accepted either way. But um, I mean, this language it seems like clicks are fairly common. Actually, I don't know if clicks are always this common in a language. Uh, yeah. To me, I thought it would. They were surprisingly underrepresented. Hmm. Well, really? Yeah. I, mm. yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, but the thing is. Clicks are very hard. I expect them not to be, like, in every sentence. They're hard for us. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't... I, don't I, I get suspicious of claims of efficiency and difficulty in its sort of broad statements. There are certainly some Khoisan languages where, by the time you're an adult, you have nodules. What the hell happened? I was listening to how one of uh, you talked about nodules. Go on. That's weird. George, are we recording properly? Continue. You were talking about nodules. Yeah, right. So for some of these, especially Khoisan languages, the speakers um, develop nodules on their um, vocal cords or vocal folds or whatever we're calling them these days. Mm. Um, But that's mostly because they also have things like epiglottal pronunciations of some vowels. Mm. I found this. I I think it's not the clicks that, that do that problem. That page I just put in, I was searching Sandawe and it has, it says there are WAV and MP3 files. I don't know if they're actually samples or. Oh, word lists. Nice. Yes. I mean, they're just word lists. That's not as exciting as it could be, but that's. Yeah, but it's, there are WAV files and MP3 files, but I didn't want to risk having them blurt out, uh, well, stuff into the recording. All right. Well, that's um, nice. Good. 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 Hooray. Is there anything else we want to say about Sandawe other than everyone should go read the grammar because it's cool? Yeah. It's some light. It's some light reading if you want to relax before bed. Yeah, absolutely, George. Um, yeah, definitely read the grammar. Uh, if I if um I'm going to listen to these um recordings later and see uh what exactly they are. Um, but, <laughs> um <laughs> sorry, but yeah, it's a great little. Well, what can I say about it? It's a it's a great little thing to uh, amuse yourself with, and if you are interested at all in making a click language, it's useful to have a natural example to have a- any idea how they actually work. It's yeah. it's it's still amazing to me that a click language can actually have five different super segmentals on top of the click. Oh my gosh. I've listened to some YouTube videos of click languages and it's just, it's, it's mind boggling sometimes. It's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I've listened to people like Singy and Osa and such and like, it amazes me because part, partly all the clicks kind of sound the same to me once, but now that I read this, I'm like, oh, I want to learn how to pronounce all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all of the different all variations. Of the how many of the clicks? All of the clicks. <sighs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready for feedback? I think so. Yes. Yes. William has taken taken my moderator pants for this episode for some reason. <laughs> so you, you seem to be distracted by the grammar. Oh, how is <laughs> how is your ankle? Um, my ankle is better. Good, but better is not good. completely healed yet. Um, um, less good, but still good. Well, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
let's actually get to feedback. Yes, feedback is good. Uh, so that we can get on with, done with the show. Um, feedback, just a reminder, conlanger at gmail.com is the email address to go to. And that's the first place I go to to find feedbacks. We have gotten some, some good email. Uh, and you can also send, um, the, uh, the top of show greetings to that. Put greeting in the, um, in the, uh, subject and you can send, uh, site header images. I've not been as good about getting those actually put up on the site, but hopefully I, I will get those, uh, fairly soon. So, so I've gotten a couple in. Uh, go to the contribute page for details on both of those things. I just, you know, Friendly reminder, reminder every, every now and then. So anyway, we get an, got an email again to conlanger@gmail.com from a guy named calling himself Liam W. And he said, "Hi there." I, I makes me think of the dog from Up. Anyway, hi, uh, <laughs> I'm Doug. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, I just okay. realized. I just realized. Doug let me, sounds like let dog. me read the email. Let me read the email. Okay. Yes. Uh, I recently just discovered the podcast, and I'm in love. Oh. I've been toying with creating languages for my own RPG and fiction writing, but never knew how deeply and completely the subject went. Anyway, I started listening, and one thing I quickly discovered is that my grasp on grammar terms is significantly lacking. I know the basics of every seventh grader should know. I'm er a bit older than that, okay. but so much of what I hear you discuss go goes way beyond what I ever encountered, even if I recall my undergrad English classes. So my question are: Is there or are there any books that you would recommend to someone who is needing a both a refreshing on general English grammar and especially advanced grammar? especially something that would be helpful for the self-taught and would help as a basis for exploring then-constructed languages. The, hmm. For then-exploring constructed languages. I appreciate any suggestions. Thanks, and thanks for the fascinating podcasts. The animus-based sentence structure portion of one cast blew me away. Uh Liam animacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. So... It must be must be talking about the Navajo stuff. Yes, I think um, so. So I, mm-hmm. books, I guess. Describing morphosyntax is the like the uh, the Conlanger's Bible, but it's a little bit advanced. Um, a lot of linguistics one on one books. If you have any, or if you look up um, linguistics one on one, I know I used to uh, cru- or peruse the. Uh, bookstore and just love to flip through because you find terms for things you're like oh so that's what that thing is called yeah. <laughs> I might also suggest the uh, the language construction kit spe- partly because it's specifically geared towards conlangers but it Zombies? also has it's yeah. it's also yeah. yeah it's also a good introduction into basic linguistics and mm-hmm. and uh, helps you think about different different languages and different ways to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he says undergrad English classes. I would suggest also, if you can fit it, if you're in college right now and you can fit it into your schedule, take a Linguistics 101 course. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I- I'm guessing based on something he said that maybe he's not in college anymore. Mm-hmm. 
it might it might be him. yeah when you say uh, i'm er a bit older than that i'm guessing mm-hmm. past he's, that. He's, he's, but he's, he's i'm er a little bit older than seventh grade yeah, yeah I, no, people, people do not make a special effort to talk about how they're older than they used to be when they were in school unless they're getting approaching my age <laughs> okay so he may not anyway he may not I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be... agree with uh george Mm-hmm. That especially the book version of Zompist's language construction kit, Mark Rosenfelder, is I think a great combination of training in conlanging and also an introduction to a lot of the terminology and explanations for things that might be new to you. I didn't know because, there was. Oh, sorry. You didn't know there was a print version? No, I didn't. And it's it's much yeah. expanded compared to the online version. The print version is about twice as large. Ooh. It's also uh, ebook too. Oh. I mean, Rosenfelder I, I, has. I, some... I, um, I, I, um, narcissistically, um, uh, blame myself for the ebook version because I remember I specifically asked whether he was going to put it on Kindle. <laughs> hmm. It seems obvious for, for him to do that. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, expanded ebook. Uh, right, the expanded ebook. It's, it's a great issue. The problem is, a refresher on English grammar or even advanced English grammar is not going to help you with conlanging because it's only going to talk about English grammar. And the joy of conlanging is it goes typically mm-hmm. for most people hand in hand with the love of languages that are not much like English. Hmm. We were just yeah, nerding out on a language from a, a small number of people in Tanzania. So yes. uh, um, that's yeah, where the would, guide is improvement. Yeah, I would. I would definitely suggest you go into more general linguistic stuff because also a lot of sources that are on English grammar are going to talk a little bit in terms of like traditional grammar terms that aren't necessarily going to apply in your language. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, some some moron might tell you that you shouldn't use the passive voice, for example. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually um, suggest, well, I mean, even, Real linguists that are hmm. talking about English might talk about um, things like I don't know the various mergers that are named after words, or um, like they the might cock. mention long vowels. Understanding that English long vowels, quote unquote, are not actually long vowels. Um, let me find. Oh, well, you find something. Um, if I could just mention one thing. Um, that helped me is, uh, if you're interested and you have internet access, just cruise around the Wikipedia. I just, uh, put, there's a link yeah. for the index of linguistics articles and they're just alphabetically ordered. And if something looks interesting, click it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've spent hours and hours and hours just mindlessly wandering around, um, this, not mindlessly, but very interestingly, um, looking around the internet for just things that are like, wow, that sounds cool. Or, oh, I've never heard of that before. So. Yeah, some actually... some some of the articles on Wikipedia can be overwhelming, I think, for a beginner. But yeah. even with that, many of them are very good, and these days are much more likely to have good explanatory material and examples, yeah. which yes. I find much easier to work with than just explanations. So mm-hmm. we should say that Wikipedia has good articles on linguistics topics, not mm-hmm. as good articles on individual languages. Uh, I've um, seen some that are okay. A lot of them are are pretty good, but a lot of them, like almost all of them, have a phonology. But yeah, and that's about it. 
that's 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 often the extent. It's like the phonology and a few interesting features. But um, he wants basic linguistic stuff, and Wikipedia is great for that. You know, mm-hmm. if you hear the word ergative and you want to look up ergative, you can go to Wikipedia and find the the article. Um, often. I, uh, going back really quick to LCK, I actually, um, suggest getting the print edition, but just because you may want to refer back and referencing a, uh, a actual book, a codex, as mm-hmm. it may be called, is, is still easier to do than referencing at least a Kindle book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was gonna, oh, uh, when we were talking about Wikipedia, I was gonna say one of the first things I usually check is like, if I hear something like tenuous, I type tenuous wiki and it brings up at least for an idea of like what it's pertaining to. So, I mean, I don't, I use Wikipedia a great, uh, intensely, you know, a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Another thing you could do to just sort of get yourself in the mode of thinking about language in new ways is there are a few really good linguistics blogs, which talk about linguistics, sometimes quite hardcore, but are still, understanding that they have a non-technical audience. Well, I wouldn't say non-technical, but they have an educated but non-linguistic audience. Mm-hmm. Language log is my favorite. And you can learn a lot about Language both English. Yeah, you can learn a lot about English and other languages' grammars um, from reading their posts yeah. over time. Is that at UPenn? Language log, you know, if you are interested in English grammar, language log is a good thing to uh, learn learn from. And they also talk about other languages quite a bit, but it's it's very very heavily English focused. Um, there's some blogs in our blog role. We have Mister Verb, we have Motivated Grammar, and um, hmm. some of them, like Motivated Grammar, is mainly sort of an anti-prescriptivist um, thing. So that's sort of helpful, but not as much as. Something like language log, which also talks about linguistic t- concepts more mm. thoroughly. Um, but yeah, there, so yeah, there I guess our consensus is there's there's good online yeah. stuff. But if you can find either a basic introductory linguistics textbook, if you happen to have access to a college library, that's fine. But I really think, like we've said, the language construction kick uh, print version mm-hmm. um, can give you a pretty darn good education to start with. It's also sort uh-huh. of like a basic conlang textbook, um, yeah. Which explain which explains linguistics along the way. Oh wow, this has been yes. changed a lot since I went to your last. Like they they put things and things are different. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was very descriptive. Yes. Um, oh, but um, yes, I was going to say learning language is also good if you like to just l- like learn, look, and see what languages have. But the problem is sometimes language books might not include a lot of the terms like ergative or just the lingui- the terms linguistics use or linguists used to dissect the language may not be used by teachers of the language right mm-hmm. okay so are we ready to wrap this up yes i believe so all right william do you have any final words of wisdom nope not this week mike um i just say like you know your curiosity run wild and have fun with, ling- with language all yeah. right yay um, and I'm going to say happy Conlang. You have been listening to Conlangery. You can find the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes at conlangery.com, including links to our featured Conlang and a few resources to help you make sense of today's topic. You'll also find links to subscribe to us on iTunes or through other podcatchers, to our Twitter, 
Facebook and Google Plus pages, and a whole lot more. Questions, comments, and suggestions may be sent to conlangery at gmail.com. You can also submit those translated greetings we play at the top of the show or conscripts to display in our header. Please see the contribute page for details. Thanks for listening. Sorry, I was distracted. <laughs> yes. Distracted by what? Uh, someone is has added me on uh, Google Talk, and I don't know how to block them. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can edit that out. <laughs> I'll take irrelevant okay. for 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what were you talking about? Specifically, <laughs> we were just ending up. We're just saying it's magnificent and wonderful. And I was talking about the papers mm-hmm. that I linked yeah, to. Yeah, definitely. Um... Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, now I can hear. Okay. Are you better rested today? Not really. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Now will Mike answer? Sandawi. Uh, I'm on my iPhone, but I'm not home yet. That's why I said I'd, I'd message you when I was home. Oh, okay. Okay. But I didn't. Well, we'll wait. <laughs> I'm. I'm sorry. Uh, there was traffic on the road, and we left. Usually, it takes about an hour, but I'll be home shortly. Right, cool. Okay. All right. Sorry, I'll be back home soon. Lateral ejective fricative. Africa. Yes. That sounds like a click. Well, some people think that's where they start. That's interesting. Example 14 on page 18 looks like what has a um, labialized click. That's confusing. Oh. Mwah. 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 Sounds like you're smooching someone. That's hysterical. Jesus. <laughs> Have you gotten to the one that she's calling the one with the grunt? Yeah. Yeah, to me it sounds kind of like breathy voice, but. No. <laughs> the 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 thing that got me that made me say oh Jesus was that uh the woman the the example she uses for the voice click 
are in uh, are like all of them are in clusters, which I'm like, wait, <laughs> clicks can occur in clusters. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it was nice. How the heck am I supposed to do a click followed by an L sound? <laughs> oh my god! And it's weird. The aspirated click. Oh, we've lost that, Mike. Oh, damn it. Mike. He's gone again. Ah! We can't do an episode like this. What? My microphone is really quiet. In three, two, one. Welcome to Conlangry, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. Uh, over in Wisconsin, we have William Ennis. Hello. And up in New Jersey, we have Mike Lentine. We had Mike Lentine. Do we still have Mike Lentine? No, we no. do not. 